0: The day of your funeral, what are people gonna stand up and say about you? And that's really the legacies that I strive for the most is what are they gonna remember that I said that'll live on to the generations to come?
1: Are you tapping into the power of community? Why not? Join us for Let's Talk Community, where George and his guests discuss the communities they belong to and how they've tapped the power. We all have
0: communities we belong to, and we can easily tap into them to grow our business, advance our careers, make changes in our personal lives, and of course, in our relationships. Join us. You might learn something.
1: Hello everyone, this is George Diaz and I'm bringing you another episode of Let's Talk Community. This is a continuation of the previous episode where a good friend of mine, Raul Lois, and I were talking about our role in the sandwich generation. Uh, The family is a community and it's made up of, in our case, four generations. Sometimes you get a fifth generation in there. And we're on the high end, um, squeezed between parents that are needing more of our care. And our children, who are starting to create their families and caring for theirs, Um, join us as we start talking about legacy and the legacy that uh, we would like to leave to the future generations.
0: So yeah, it's funny. You know, we talk about legacy. You know, I often think about, you know, and I've worked for a company all my life, so I don't have any businesses to pass on or any, you know, major assets that you would think of. But to me, my legacy is what brings me the most joy is when somebody quotes me. Right, talking about, you know, Sabiduría's comments and my dad's comments. You know, the other day, I, um, actually my niece, uh, my brother-in-law's daughter, the oldest one, she is you know, 30 plus, very successful, has done extremely well. And I don't know what we were talking about. And she made, you know, I said something about working hard and she said, you either work for four years and have fun for 40, or you have fun for four and work for 40. Talking about the college years, and it's something that my accounting teacher told me in Miami Dade College for my freshman year. And when she said that, I immediately looked at her and said, Oh my god, you remember that? And she goes, Oh yeah, she goes, That struck me the moment you said that, it stuck in my head. And I'm like, Oh man, like I passed what's, on some.
1: What's the scene? What, what's the phrase? Because I didn't get it.
0: The phrase the accounting teacher said, you know, in class, goes, Look, you can either bust your hump for four years. And have a lot of fun for the next 40, or you can have fun for the next four and really work hard for the next 40. It's your <laughs> choice, right? What you want to do. You can take advantage of this or not. And then I pass it on. and said, look, when you're working your tail off when you're young, you can do it now, so you can have a great future, or you can have a great time now and then be working the rest of your life until you die because you didn't do it, you know, you didn't do it today, you didn't pay your dues today. So and it the- stuck in your head when I said that. And, yeah, and that's what through- I always think about, you know, the day of your funeral what are people going to stand up and say about you? And that's really the legacies that I strive for the most is, you know, what are people going to say and what are they going to remember that I said that'll live on to the generations to come when they say, Hey, you know, the old man used to say,
1: yeah. And, you know, as I get older, funerals have taken on a different meaning because when you're young, you're going to live forever. That's kind of your thinking. And now as you look at it, I mean, I don't think I'm going to kick the bucket tomorrow, but yeah. you know, when you're in your sixties, I might have 20, 30, but I'm not going to have 50 for sure. We're late uh, uh, but I remember uh, my, my grandfather, he passed away at 98, go figure. And uh, he was buried by his grandkids because he outlived everybody in the generation between uh, between us. And, um, you know, I think, am I going to give an impression of my grandkids? I mean, how many old folks die by themselves? And I'm not even talking about the pandemic. I'm just saying there's no one around because they didn't build that community. And, and yep. I've, I've seen some bitter old people and you can understand why they're bitter, because if you're in your 80s and you're by yourself and your kids kind of don't really want to have anything to do with you.
0: Yeah, you know, it's like the, I the
1: cradle song. A,
0: yeah, yeah, I went to a funeral. Oh my God, it was a few years back, and uh, it was a guy that I knew from church, you know, and he passed a heart attack, and you know, it's unfortunate. He was in his probably early sixties, young guy, and um, and I remember running into a fella that we both know from our church, who you know happened to be there. He knew him from something else. He's from St. Augustine. This guy, and and the church was packed. I mean, the the church was from. Front to end, size, people outside. It was like packed. And then this buddy of ours, he looks at me, he goes, you know what? I told my wife, when I die, this is the kind of funeral that I want. And I said, what are you doing today to make sure that happens? Right? Because <laughs> it's really up to you. The, everyone here loves this guy. And they were like so shocked that they wanted to come here. But it he could have been an absolute jerk. And there would have been three people in the front pew going like, well, you know, I'm here because I have to be.
1: Yeah. And it's not, I mean, you can't come up after a funeral, you know, someone passes away and make a bunch of phone calls. Oh my gosh, I have to go. Some people are going, well, you know, I kind of knew the guy, but he's kind of a jerk. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and, you know, to that end, my father's funeral, they had, he, he was a, he was a member of the same church for, you know, decades and decades, like 50, 60 yep. years. And um, I mean, we're both, we know each other also from Emmaus. It's a immense mo- program here in, in our church and my, bro- my dad was an Emmaus brother at that, at his church. And the Emmaus brothers knew there were going to be so many people at that funeral that they took it upon themselves to put like a parking team together. Because otherwise, I mean, and it, and it was, I mean, there, must, there were thousands of people there. It was scary how crowded it was. And, you know, I was thinking back in my mind, man, my dad had an impact. And he was such a quiet guy that you would... Never know, but there were people that knew him from all these. Oh, no, because he did this, and there were some nuns that he would deliver food because he was in the food distribution. Field. When he had extra food, he'd give it to this, these nuns who fed the homeless and stuff. And there were people coming out of the word from all places. and I'm going, Gosh, am I going to be
0: remembered like that? It's funny. I actually, you say that, and I, I had a I read a little motivational thing that I got every morning spiritual, and it talked about a guy who has he was talking about a guy in the Bible whose kids were called to great missions. And he was a fisherman and he's asking God, why I want to go on missions. I want to do big things. I want to change the world. And God's response was, look, I need you to fish. I need you to do the little things and do them with love. Right. And in doing that, you will be part of this greater kingdom. And, and, you know, when you said about your dad, and I knew your dad, great man, but you're right. Very quiet. Right. He always kind of came in, he had a great smile on his face. And, you know, he kind of lit up the room with that presence of his without being the overly talky, chatty kind of yeah, guy. Yeah, he was he was
1: never the life of a party.
0: Right. But in but in, but in his small sense, he made a big reach to others. And and, and that's kind of I think what we have to, you know, what I try to look at and, and doing, you know, the little things and doing them well and doing them with love. You know, that everyone you touch in some way feels that they were touched by you. You know, and in that sense, it doesn't have to be, you know, you know, bombs and explosions and, and yeah, all yeah. this stuff. You know, so. Yeah. How
1: do you you give up? I mean, because, you know, again, I'm 58. You know, I've I've been through a few things and there are times when I run into people and it's kind of like this guy, I don't think knows this one thing that I know that might help him out. And, and, you know, again, I I head up one of the ministries at church and there are guys that you run into that you can see come from a family that was a train wreck. And you know, they're, they're starting to learn things now that will have huge implications towards this funeral that we're all preparing for someday, right? And will it be attended by a lot of people? Will my kids, you know, go, whew, what a relief or, oh gosh, man, I'm really gonna miss dad or dad was a great guy or, you know, what is that legacy you're leaving? And it starts now, regardless of how good or bad you know, your, you know, your your, predecessors were.
0: Yeah, yeah, and you can't make it up all one day. You know, you gotta just do the little things daily. You know, it's the only way to do it. Because if you try to go back and, you know, all of a sudden start fixing everything that went wrong for the last 30, 40 years, so that you yeah. can have, you know, a goal that in the next 5 years everything is fine, that's not the way things work. Right. And and people are a little suspicious of that as well. So yeah. it's just a matter of, yeah, you're right. And and you know, how do you go about telling people that, you know, you've got something that could benefit them? I don't think you do. I just think you kind of organically, you know, stay close to folks and just give them support and encouragement and sympathy and and hope that, you know, in time they will sense that, you know, whatever it is that you have that they don't or whatever it is that you may know. And maybe they're going to teach you something. You never know that. You know oh, I mean?
1: for sure. We're all in, I, I, I'd i like to say that someday I'm going to be up there in heaven and someone's going to approach me and said, you help me out. And I'm going, who are you?
0: Are five people you mean in heaven, gonna... right? Now.
1: Okay. And, and, and you have no idea who these people are, because hopefully I, I did enough where a lot of people, it's like, I heard you speak, or you were the father of one of my best friends who I really hadn't seen that often. And it was like, really?
0: Yeah.
1: And, and, and hopefully I don't have a bunch of people going, oh, you were that jerk that did this, this, and this.
0: <laughs> Unfortunately, but yeah, and it could be people you don't even realize that maybe, you know, let you in, you know, when you're having a bad day and, and you're in traffic, you're trying to get in, you're in a rush and somebody slow down, let you in and kind of change your mood for that moment. It can be such a small thing. You know, it's not, you know, it doesn't have to be the guy that, you know, loaned you $100,000 when you needed a, you know, to, to start a business or whatever the case may be. That's so big that it's obvious. It's really the non-obvious. It's those little touches along uh, in life. And that's what I've, you know, I've, I've kind of grown to look for those opportunities, you know, opportunities to just do the little things and yeah. frankly i don't know if i'm helping somebody else it makes me feel good you know so it's uh i kind of start with that and you know hopefully you know you can pass that along to somebody else and more importantly you know the little ones start seeing you you know especially the little grandkids you know they see you you know my my, my son-in-law he's got this knack of talking to everybody and he's very alabama polite if that makes any sense right he's yeah. like, yes sir yes ma'am you know thank you ma'am thank you sir kind of thing and, and he every time he where, you know he will go to supermarket, grocery stores. just I was saying thank you to. I mean, he really is over the top polite to folks. And and you see it in my grandson where he's starting to do that. And he's you know driving around with that and you know sticking, you know, roll down the window and yelling thank you, have a good day. You know, happy New Year. That was his thing you know, New Year's Day. We're driving around yelling everybody happy New Year, have a nice day, and those kind of things. And as people are responding, you see the happiness in this face, and you realize, man, something special is being built in this kid. Yeah, you and
1: know? by the way, in. And- in line with community, here, your daughter connected with a guy who's got something that you're kind of going, okay, this yeah, guy works this really girl. well for my tribe, for my community. Yeah. Way to go, Lilian Cristina, right? Right,
0: right. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. I think that all three of them have found someone that's kind of matched and brought something into the group, and which is good. You know, So far, none, nobody's taken away, which is, you know, <laughs> it's, been, it's all been additions. But yeah, I mean I I don't know if my kids yet learn as much as I do and I want them to because you know they're still kind of in the weeds. But I, I watch them. I watch the dynamics of, you know, the my, my daughter-in-law, for example, and and uh, and my son and you know, my other daughter and her boyfriend, and watch the the stuff and and, and pick up of the little things that the couple does that makes my kids better. And I'm like, ah, see, I, I get that, right? And it's, and I I improve by it because I'm like, you know what, that's something that I should be doing more of. I and mean, you kind of fall off the track a little bit and, and follow those paths. So it's, it's pretty cool to see that. And that's part of that building the larger, the larger tribe, which I still feel I'm kind of, I don't want to say at the top, in a in a, uh,
1: you know, yeah, we want to, we want to we say we're not at the top, but we're getting close.
0: Right. Not at the top in a leadership way, but I am kind of like leading the pack as the, you know, again, you know, the, the oldest one that's not dependent on anybody. Cause I really, you know, i yeah. um, dependent on my wife and I depend on each other. We kind of feed each other for strength and off we go. Everyone else kind of looks to us, at least so we think.
1: Yeah. And then, it, you know, for, for those that, that don't, you know, don't have a good le- legacy that they've inherited, there's no time like the present to start. I mean, I, I don't want to yep. give yep. people the exactly. impression, Hey, because you didn't inherit stuff, you can't start because you definitely can and make a huge difference.
0: Yeah. And, I, and I, you know what, and I've learned through, you know, we talked about Emmaus and, I think early on, I would talk to people about, you need to do this. You need to do that. You need to do the other. If you do these three things, everything's going to be perfect. And and I find myself doing that with my kids as well at their current age. And I realized like, now nah, all I can do is share my story, right? Share my story and somebody might pick something from it. They may not. Uh, and if they somehow reach out to me, just lend, you know, lend a, a listening ear yeah. uh, and give them sympathy and comfort. And you will know, maybe pick up the phone, call them every now and then and, and, you know, and, and allow them, create the space, like our old our priest, Father Fetcher, to say, just create the space for yes. someone else, you know, to find their own their own place in their spirituality.
1: Yeah, yeah and, and, you know, with, with, I've got, so I got three daughters, and two of them in particular had boyfriends before the ones, so I got one that's married, I got one that's going to get married in a couple months, and both of them had boyfriends at different times that you're kind of going you know this guy's okay but and we definitely held back you know and giving some of our opinions and it didn't work out and I think for the better and I think as a result you know as a result you as a parent are going okay the kid did something right I guess we did we imparted some wisdom into this kid um and now we're looking at both of them and going okay you know these work and and you know, my, my wife and I, uh, we have a saying that's kind of like, they have their dance. It's not my dance, but it seems to work for them. Right. And, um, and, you know, like Gabby and Nick, they are really, really different from the way Annie and I are, but it works for them. And that's, I, I mean, that's really what matters. And they're four years into being married, and now they got a kid, and, and you know, they, they have a rhythm that kind of works for them, you know?
0: Yeah. And you know what? And that's a good point. And, and, and we, we talk about my wife and I talk about it all the time. You know, that all three of my kids, they've got their own style and they've got their own dance and they kind of dance to their tune. And it's different in many cases than ours is similar in some ways, very different in others. Sometimes we feel, well, you need to be doing things this way or that way. But we've gotten to the point that we almost feel like in bowling that we're like the bumpers. You know, we want to be the bumpers on the edges. <laughs> and when we start getting too far and they're going to go in the gutter or something really begins to look like a red flag. That's what we can step in and say, "Hey, you know what? We watch this and maybe, but not every step of the way. Like, well, you should be doing laundry Tuesdays and Thursdays, and you should be eating this, and you should be doing you know things. Listen, you're going to figure all that stuff out. How are you going to budget your finances? How are you going to do your things? When we see that it's getting to a place that it looks like you know they need help, then we'll step in. But you know, we 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 become the bumpers from yeah, the you're, middle you're,
1: lane. To the you're the outside consultant,
0: exactly, <laughs> exactly,
1: yeah." Let me throw something out at you. So we're both we're we're both um, sons of immigrants, and you're actually an immigrant. Yep. How much do you think either the immigrant or the Hispanic background influences this relative to maybe other folks?
0: Well, you know, and I don't want to speak for other folks, but I do know that the span Hispanic culture, right, that we all grew up in, that I grew up in was very was very tight. And I mean, I grew up, my parents are Cuban and they migrated from Cuba to uh, Central America. So I grew up in El Salvador, born in, in, in Guatemala, I grew up in El Salvador most of my life. I came here just to finish high school. And the family unit in El Salvador was a little different than I see it here, but it really started with the oldest grandparents, right? The oldest people alive were treated with the utmost of respect everywhere. So, you know, you always have them. By the way, the, the, same,
1: the same is true on my in my
0: family. So I just think it's, it's, it's panic in general. So they, they, these people were, you know, they, they lived at home, they were treated, they were given lavishly everything they needed, all the, all the services they needed, everything they did, uh, you know, they were lunch with them once a week, whatever the case may be, always tending to them. The parents, you know, again, served the grandparents, the kids, but the, the family was always close. And, and I think the only thing that breaks up, you know, the geographics of the, uh, of the family is really you know, migration, right? That we had to move somewhere else. But, you know, I've still got friends of mine that live in El Salvador who live in the same house they lived in. Their parents are in the same house and they're still together and they still get together. And, and family grows. They stay within kind of their little tribe. You know, they don't they don't move in it. And I think we bring that with us. And I think that's something that even though my kids are first generation, um, you know, Americans with that background, they sense it, they feel it, they, you know, they'll complain about certain things, you know, but, but they're always there, you know, none of them are out or any, you know, my daughter did move, you know, to Orlando for, you <laughs> know, and whatnot, which, which happens, but none of them are ever saying like, I just need to get out of here, right? I need to go on my own and, you know, I'll visit you in Christmas and Thanksgiving and that's it. It's a continuous, whether it's a phone call, a FaceTime thing, up, or you know, FaceTime these days and we can actually see each other's faces. Man. But it, there's always that contact continuously to maintain, engage, you know, the family chats on the phone. So I think that was, that, that was the way the culture was in where I grew up, and we brought it here. And we, it's funny, we brought it here. It was, it was my mom, my dad, and I. That was it. My sister had married, my two sisters had married. Remember,
1: because, w- when they immigrated here, you, they were great.
0: There right. so we to Louisiana. The we other California. They just had to. That was so. My parents were us. and and somehow, you know that 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 magnet kept on drawing us together and bringing us together again. And then we all get married. And Then we found you know each other in the same place, and off we went again. You know, growing up and building that that unity again. So it's it's stronger than geographies and locations. It's it's something that's I guess embedded in us. And um, yeah, I, mean, I don't know that the just the way it was, you know, just the way it was growing up and, you know, you know that, most-
1: that, that magnet thing that you said, because I see I, I'm the oldest in my family and the oldest of the 26 grandkids that I mentioned, and I went away to school for grad school. So I was up in Indiana. And um, I settled in Boca Raton, which, I mean, it's only a 50 mile drive from Miami, but especially back in the 80s, that meant really far because you couldn't make phone calls without it costing you a good amount of money. You know, there was no FaceTime, you know, nobody was using email. And, um, you know, from there, but then I ended up living in California and in Texas, because I'm in the tech space. And years later, I ended up moving back to Miami. And I, I don't see a lot of my college buddies having done the same thing. And I, I almost wanted to come back. Um, my, my wife was a little hesitant because Miami can be a crazy, creepy place. So um, but um, but I think there's something about our Hispanic culture that you kind of want to get back to this community that you feel like you belong to.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, undoubtedly. And, and you know, and, and you see it. Right. I mean, we see it everywhere we go. You go to the grocery shop. You know, I go to the Publix by my house. Um, and it's, it's a nice atmosphere, but I go to the Ceranos on Bird Road, which is a primarily, you know, Hispanic, Hispanic. Uh, you know, grocery store. And I mean, I was there the other day waiting for uh, you know, for a, uh, for some meat. And a guy came around with a thing of coffee. Like a guy literally was shopping, bought coffee, was passing it around to everyone around him <laughs> as we're chatting with this guy's coffee, having a conversation. I never met this guy. Right. And that's just kind of the, the way that, you know, we, we, we need people. We feed off of people. It makes us better. Um, you know, and it really is. Uh, to me, it's it's cool, man. It just gives you it gives you meaning. It gives you purpose. You know, every day to get out, and you know, you see it at the Cuban, you know, the La Carreta, these Cuban restaurants that have the window outside. You people yeah. show up there, they get their coffee and a pastry, and they sit there for hours talking about whatever nonsense they can come up with.
1: You know, and, and that's when I didn't live in Miami. I didn't realize I missed it until I came back. Right. Uh, we had a, a friend of ours, a really good friend of ours. We met her because she she's from Italy, and she was living at our house because she was teaching, and they needed a place for the you know the, the visiting teacher to live. And right. so I remember picking her up at school, and she goes, "Hey, let's stop off at La Carreta," and I'm going, "Here's this Italian kid," and she goes, <laughs> "And and George, it's my treat." But it's like it, when I lived in Boca Raton, I mean, you could go to a um, a deli and get a bagel and stuff but that whole window hangout thing it's i don't know if the coffee is there because we're cuban or because we're cuban we had to come up with something like that so you could hang out
0: yeah no no i think i think you're right it it is it's it's that and i don't know yeah i think the culture came before the coffee i really think it was just an excuse. To say, Look, we're already here. Let's might as well drink something, right? But it's it is about coming together. It's about being with. You know, it's uh, uh, yeah, it's it's really the experience that we pass on, hopefully, to our families. And it's difficult, you know, in this day and age with social media and you know with texting. You know, we find ourselves, or our kids at least find they find themselves not talking as much as we did, right? Not getting on the phone and calling somebody. It's really texting, WhatsApping, whatever the case may be, or. You know, or, or sharing stuff on social media, but the, you know, that art uh getting together in a restaurant window outside and having a conversation or picking up the phone and calling somebody, you know, I, I think there's something that people that don't do that are really missing out on. It's, it's yeah. a great and, area.
1: Yeah. And, you know, one thing that I, that I, you know, just popped into my head is, I remember an aunt of mine really being concerned about her kids not marrying someone who was Cuban. And I remember when we moved to Texas, my sister in law telling my wife, Aren't you concerned that your kids could marry one of them? Which was just so funny to hear that now in hindsight, you know? And I think, especially with immigrant populations, as you come in, there's this us, them sort of thinking. And, you know, when I think about it, so you're Lillian Christina married a, a guy from Alabama that she met in college. My daughter married a guy that she, you know, met during college. And he's Trinidadian American. He's a mixed breed. And then imagine she used I mean she was born Gabriela Diaz and now she's Gabriela Neville. Um, and so, you know, she's bringing these other because he's Caribbean. So, boy, he can cook some mean curry. Um, yeah. and, and so now you got this melting pot. And we were more than happy that she didn't marry or did marry, you know, who she did.
0: Right. But,
1: you, you know, you, you also bring in a lot of the good things that the U.S. has to offer and, and talk about a melting pot of different cultures, you know.
0: Yeah. And, and I've seen that. Right. My, my son married a girl that's very much like him. Right, so she is from Miami, Cuban descent. Uh, you know, went to school here, so they have a similar background. Uh, there's still differences in their personalities, so they complement each other. You know, but you know, Lillian definitely married somebody that was completely different to her. And you know, it's funny, I've seen the evolution
1: and, and a ginger
0: times. and a ginger, yeah, big old redhead. So, but I've seen the evolution of him getting Cubanized. And him adopting her culture tremendously well because he really is. I mean, this guy dances salsa. You know, he speaks. He throws out Spanish words. Oh, he
1: he bought he buys me. He bought me that cigar that one time.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, he loves that. And then I've seen Lillian adopts the the best of his culture and a lot of the things. You know, more tempered. You know, the, the character kind of like not agility. that we would be
1: very hot tempered as Hispanics. <laughs> <laughs>
0: exactly you know so there's a lot of the good you know that both have brought from each other and and I, yeah I, I think our our parents generations did have that mentality of us versus them you know the america and they always had the cliches and all the different things that they thought about well you know americans they leave the family and they don't you know they're 18 you go off and you're on all these things that preconceived notions that are you know, mostly not real but that's the way they do so like you cannot have that right and uh, and I get the language barrier for like my in-laws struggling to speak to my son-in-law because obviously their English is not nearly their first language. So it's kind of a struggle, but aside of that, you know, I could not have asked for a better, uh, well, three of them, you know, even, you know, even uh, Mariana's boyfriend, you know, he is, you know, Latin, but he comes from Puerto Rican, Colombian background. Yeah. So that's a little different in culture than, you know, the Central American Cuban and, you know, Again, yeah, they all bring good things to the table. I think if we're smart, you know, we learn to pick up the best in all these people and, and use it to fuel, you know, the overall tribe, as you said, and, and make it grow and make it get better.
1: Yeah. And it ends up that my little friend, Jessica has uh, light eyes, which could have been because of me,
0: exactly. but
1: uh, very likely from the father's side of the
0: family. Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: So. Ooh, well, hey, um, Raul, I've really enjoyed this. Thank you for uh, yeah, thank you. this conversation.
0: Absolutely. Should have brought some coffee. Would have made it all better.
1: Yeah, coffee and in-person would have been a step up from this. But, uh, hey, great. Thank you for joining me. And thank you for helping us talk some more about community.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. You've been listening to the Let's Talk Community podcast with George Diaz. To subscribe to this program or find other marketing resources for your business, visit us at www.celebratingrelationships.com. That's www.celebratingrelationships.com. Thanks for listening.